welcome to the first episode of Oops All Dragons. A or, very... I mean, uh, okay, that's that's a that's a working title. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's, we're, we're just going with it. Stream of yeah, consciousness yep, here. <laughs> yep, uh, Oops All Dragons. That's It'll what it is for now. It'll make a lot more sense with the cover art that yeah, 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 we're yeah. totally uh, going to have. We're definitely gonna gonna do that. <laughs> um, my name is Lisa. Hello. My name is Varun, and don't go by our accents. Neither one of us are actually from the United States originally. And now we um, <laughs> sit squarely in the contiguous forty-eight states, and uh, we're bringing you our thoughts on Dungeons and Dragons and nerd stuff. Wait, you're telling me that? There are nerds who are not just white men? That's crazy. I mean, they're out there. They're, there's some of them <laughs> around, but, you know, there are other folks, too. The truth is out there. <laughs> so, so, what gives you the authority to tell anybody about Dungeons and Dragons? Because I have a microphone and a connection to the internet, and I've played the game. That's all it takes to have an opinion on the internet these days, huh? Yep. Rolling with it. Uh, uh, no, but really, what's, what, give me, give me your resume. My resume, my D&D resume. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've played D&D since 2015, been almost forever Dungeon Master until very recently, which... You're welcome. Which, yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, and then I think this is going to come up as a thing... That will that you and I will talk about of the intersection of game and art that comes up with D and D and other things. Like I was definitely heavy gamer before that. A lot of video games. Oh yeah, we'll talk about the influences. Yeah. And the 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 neat crossroads that D and D sits on of all the different kinds of storytelling. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's our platforms. aim with this, at least yeah. in the beginning. We're going to get real philosophical about D&D. I don't know if you clicked on this because you wanted to hear some people playing Dungeons and Dragons. Psych. Nope, <laughs> that's not it. That's not what we're doing. Nope. We're going to do... We're going to be even nerdier than the nerds who just play Dungeons and Dragons. We're going to get philosophical and academical about... <laughs> <laughs> The work of Gary Gygax and everything thereafter. Um, so, so that's that's me. Um, what about you, Lisa? Oh, uh, I'm a card-carrying high fantasy nerd. Um, I thought you were going to say a card-carrying theater kid. Well, that too. It it's a bundle. Comes as a bundle. <laughs> um, it was on sale. <laughs> I will get one. Uh, I grew up reading and watching and being fascinated by anything that has dragons in it. And then one day I heard about a game called Dungeons and Dragons, and it had like a weird history. And mm -hmm. you know, people in the '80s thought it had to do with Satan. And I'm like, hmm, what is this? I'm interested in this. And then it wasn't <laughs> until three years ago now that I actually was able to start playing it. Um, so that was in like 2017, 2018. Mm -hmm. I don't know time anymore. Um, we are recording in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, no, time, time is, is not me. real. Yeah, for those in the future, how's it going? <laughs> if this is the only thing that survives. Is, is, oh boy. No, this won't be the only thing that survives. Oh boy, could you imagine? That'd be wild. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I've been playing for a few years now. I, I came into it sort of with the wave of people that came into it because of, um, people, people starting to play inspired by people playing on, like, live streams and Twitch. I'm talking about Critical Role, <laughs> McCree's D&D podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I came in sort of with that crowd, um, and I took to it like a fish takes to water. You did, which is which is going to be fun to talk about. Um, I mean, it it it's just natural because, uh, like like you said, I'm a card carrying theater kid. 
I used to like write mini fantasy stories with my friends like it's it it makes nerd. sense it feels right it's natural yeah basically just giant <laughs> nerd um yeah and we'll kind of focus things on Dungeons and Dragons because especially fifth edition uh because that's the modern kind of most ubiquitous tabletop RPG but we might go into other stuff. I've done a lot of Pathfinder. I've done some of the Star Wars Fantasy Flight um, role-playing games. Um, Maybe someday this podcast will be the reason that I finally get people together and get myself together to play Vampire the Masquerade. Vampire the Masquerade. <laughs> Ooh, I want to do that too. <laughs> you just want the book. You just want the book. I just book. want the book. I want an excuse to buy that giant tome. You can just buy it to have it. I mean, yes, but also I need to justify it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I'll play. I've never played in that system and, I don't know, vampires, you know? Fun. Yeah, no, it's going to be fun. Be... But the requirement is that you have to, like, dress up. I, I'm not I'm not okay, taking... We're going, we're going I'm not playing it without the theatrics. I, I need the theatrics. I need the drama. Okay. Okay. Uh, so... And I mean, That's... if we want to get into it, um, mm-hmm. 5e, 5th edition, it's kind of, I mean, if we're talking about, like, things that made D&D more accessible and brought a lot of people into the game and kind mm-hmm. of, it's part of the reason that it's exploded in recent years is 5th edition, which, as mm-hmm. far as I know, based on, like, things I've heard, things I've read, what I understand about previous editions, it's the most accessible and mm-hmm. the most um, conducive for the sort of like it's the creative... lowest bar to entry yeah it's it's the most like conducive to like which the is, creative aspects thing. of D&D not, not derisive of that I love the fact that 5th edition is way more simplified than 3rd edition or 4th edition that I've played I've seen some 2nd edition with some folks that I know and figuring out things like Thacko and all that other stuff, they're like, no, not for me. They they love it, that's their thing, not gonna judge. But 5th edition, after playing all the other systems I've played, the most conducive for the dungeon master not pulling out his hair and the players pretty quickly picking up on what their characters can and can't do and how their stuff works getting all of the game stuff to the lowest level so that the role play can actually like happen. <laughs> yeah, it it very much uh I think the idea with 5th edition was to underline the part of tabletop role playing game the RP version the, role the, playing the RP and the RPG part. Yes. And and eventually I do want to like get our we have some acquaintances who have experience with like Stories. even earlier editions and um, offshoots like Dungeon World, and I want to get their their opinion. Um, yeah, and I guess we should talk before we dig into like D and D topics, D and D one hundred and one as we call it. Um, the goal of this podcast, beyond us just talking about nerd stuff, is one giving our opinions because we love our opinions and yeah, we have a lot of them. <laughs> We, I, I think this really came about because you and I just got together after sessions at certain points and just talked about the game, and then it, it would quickly move from game mechanic discussions to like, you know, you know, I almost introduced colonialism into my Dungeons and Dragons game, and I don't know how I feel about that. Oh, I definitely uh, introduced <laughs> colonialism into my Dungeons yeah. and Dragons game, and I feel great about it. <laughs> Um, we'll, 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 we'll talk about, we'll talk about spontaneous so about. <laughs> beyond just us we also want this to be a place where our friends can come and talk about like their experiences, their stories I think the best like rebuke to the Mercer Effect which is again something we're going to talk about probably not this session but some, some other time uh, was why do why do people care 
so much about crafting stories for people who are going to be sitting at a table. Like six people are ever going to know this story. So I want to do the inverse of that. Get some of our friends or uh, acquaintances from like our gaming places to talk about their experiences because they have Dungeon Dragon stories which are great, which are awesome that again, six people in the world will ever know, so hey, let's let's try to put them here and see if people like them. Yeah, it's a place to, to share the the things that otherwise would stay between you and, and the people who are at that table. Yeah. And also whoever else you torture when you go home <laughs> after a game and are like, hey, do you want to hear about something you definitely don't care about? Doesn't matter. I'm about to launch into a two-hour rant about what just happened during my D&T game. Yep. <laughs> oh, boy. So so that's that's one of our other aims. Again, for another episode later on, which we are already planning to do. Uh, but this session, we're going to talk about Dungeon Dragons. Episode? Session? Episode? Episode. I keep calling it sessions because, like, yeah. we're already in D&D mode, so yeah. I call every instance a session. Episode. Yeah. I, I gotta correct myself there. Um, but we're gonna do, yeah, we're gonna go through, like, a list of topics that you and I have both talked to groups of people about before. About just kind of the general uh, meat and potatoes of Dungeon Dragons, but we can get into some of the stories we have around that stuff and whether we like um, some of the things like challenge rating or alignment and all that type of stuff and you know, do we find it useful or not and hopefully you know at least maybe aspiring dungeon masters or players can listen and hear where we're coming from and maybe something we'll, we'll spark something in someone yeah I think I think at least like for the first couple of episodes I think what we should talk about we're going to talk about it's, it's inevitable is like the things that um might seem like intimidating about the game mm-hmm. um and i think i want to start with like from the perspective of a player what are the things that might seem intimidating about the game and sort of like breaking that down and and i want to talk about just um just how much easier this game is to get into than it seems Okay. Do you, do you want to start there? Because the first thing I have yeah. is DM-centric, but if you want to start from the player's side, that's fine, too. Yeah, because, I mean, the DM thing, I think to be able to get to the DM stuff, you have to understand some of the player side stuff first. Mm-hmm. So I yep. think let's let's start from there. Um, so playing the game, somebody comes up to you or you just wake up one day and you're like, I would like to play D&D, or somebody comes up to you and is like, would you like to play Dungeons and Dragons? And you think, yes, but where do I start? Mm-hmm. It seems so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I have to, do I do I have to read all of those <laughs> source books? All the rule books? Do I need to know everything before I can even start? The short answer is no. The long answer is skim it (laughs) alright so yes and this is coming from me my first real TRPG experience was playing late stage Pathfinder version you know one before 5e came out Um, where there's a ton of rule books and expansions not all of them designed for uh, game balance just a bunch of races and classes and items and all these other things that can optimize your build. Pathfinder is really big on optimizing your, your build, which is not like the point, but I don't want to go off on that right now. The bar to entry there was super high. I'm kind of lucky that I had a group that was willing to kind of walk me through because they had played before, to walk me through the character creation, how it works, uh, got some good habits and bad habits from there in seeing that seeing what they taught me in retrospect 5e specifically um other other systems as well you don't need to really know the know the whole book know all the rules know how every class works uh, most people don't know any of that stuff I've, I've been a dungeon master for years at this point and uh i still 
uh, haven't played like a magic class for any extended period of time. So yeah, if it comes to like magic rules or something, I don't know, I have to look it up. But I don't feel like I can't play a magic class if it ever came up, like in the next game or if my character dies in one of these games I'm playing in, I think I'll go to the magic class next because I just never really got the chance to. Yeah, use your way into it. <laughs> yeah, paladin. I, I think the the innocence and the wonder we have when we see like, oh my god, I can be a monk. Oh my god, I can be a wizard. And I, you know, you can do all these crazy things. That goes away when you have the knowledge of the rules, but mm -hmm. it's it's something that's there. It, it, it's part and parcel with that like that, that, that feeling of, oh my god, there's so much I need to know because mm -hmm. there's so much you want to know. For those players who are still somehow in 2020 not afraid, I guess is the best word to say, uh, afraid of, of jumping in or something, if you have a group who wants to play or, or a dungeon master asking you to play uh, and your only apprehension is, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be good enough, just go. No one's good yeah, at there's. That, like, that's, a, that's a big thing, is there's no such thing as being good or being bad at... Well, no, that's a lot, but we'll get into that. There are, there are people... But, I mean, it is very difficult to... Yeah, there is, it is... Unless you're a shitty person, and I guess yes. I'm deciding that we can semi-swear in this now. <laughs> um, but exactly. unless you're, like, an actual bad person, you can't be bad at D&D. &D. Um, I, I, maybe not... Maybe not posing it as like being a bad person but bringing bad real world like, habits habits and behaviors into a fantasy game where you're assuming there are no consequences just like yeah i mean D&D is the game of consequences so yeah. if you're not suffering the consequences of your bad behavior in real life who boy are you ever i mean at least considering if, if you have a good master, dm uh, you're going to suffer the consequences of your terrible behavior in the yeah. game. Like, I've encountered players who, at the end of a session, feel like, oh, I did a bad job, and it's like, you can't... It, you're a nice person, you get along with everybody at the table, you do your best to, like, understand at least how to play your character mechanically. If mm -hmm. you're quiet during a session, that doesn't mean that you failed at the game, that doesn't mean that you are a bad player, this means you're shy. You're fine. Relax. Mm -hmm. It's not that serious. It is a game. Yeah. And don't be afraid to ask questions. Like, you're sitting at a table, or you're on a call, because nobody sits at a table anymore in the middle of 2020, mm -hmm. but, you know, you're on a, a video call, or at a table, you're, you're amongst people who are your peers, and who have all agreed to play this game together, and it's an endeavor that you're taking on together. No one is sitting there isolated on their own. That's kind of the point. It's a mm -hmm. group activity. Yeah. So even, e even in situations where you're the you're you're on your own but you're going to like uh, a gaming store again, let those open up and become a thing again. Um, you're and you're playing with a bunch of random folk, you shouldn't feel that you can't ask Apprehensive. questions. Yeah. yeah. Uh, of the DM or the other players to kind of get a feel of the group or get a feel of the rules or the games or, you know, if you don't know something, ask. That's what the Dungeon Master's there for. Um, it, it shouldn't be the sole thing that they're doing, telling everyone how to play, but if you're not they sure They should be prepared to do it, though. Yeah. Because I'm of the opinion that, like, every... Every, I mean, it's an objective true fact that everyone at some point was new to the game. Mm-hmm. Everybody at some point played the game for the first time. Mm -hmm. And everyone, I think, if you sit at a table at a game store or you join in on a game on Rule 20 um, and, with, and it's with people that you don't necessarily know, if those people don't understand that like you might be a new player mm -hmm. and don't try to help you, maybe that's not a game that you should that like that particular table That's is not, not really good. for you yeah. because it's not difficult to find people who are very welcoming and will like hold your hand and you know um help you grow help you grow and help you figure it out until you can 
get your sea legs. But inevitably, as with anything, as with any community, as with anything, there are going to be people who are not as nice. Mm -hmm. And the beauty of it is that it is very simple to just say, thank you for letting me join in your game for today, but I don't think this is for me. Mm -hmm. Have, Have a nice day. Even have during nice the game. session, when you know you and I have heard horror stories, if the whatever's going on in the game or whatever behavior is happening is making you uncomfortable and you don't want to continue, you don't have to wait until the end of the session. You can just tell them like, "Yeah, this isn't for me," and just you know step away and go find some other folks who mm-hmm. are, are within your wheelhouse. Um, it is a game. It. It is a game, uh, but you know it's also a social commitment it, it, it's a in some social, ways. Yeah. Because the dungeon master is spending time to create the game, usually. Uh, and you're setting are, aside time to go play the game. Yeah, the, the players are committing time to come and play in person or online. So, and I've I've felt this. I know you felt this sometimes. There's that social commitment thing that once you started the ball rolling, you have to stay with it until it's done. And that's not true. Like you say, Lisa, it's a game. So if at any point, the number one thing I always ask my players at the end of a session, are you having fun? If you're not having fun and you haven't been having fun with a, with a group or a game or whatever it is, maybe that group isn't for you. Or maybe D&D isn't for you. I've had that with my significant other. Uh, D&D is just not their thing. And it's probably never going to be, and I'm okay with that, so are they. Yeah, and, you know, you can always try again another time. Mm-hmm. It's, there's not really, the, the barrier to entry is practically non-existent, it's mostly just imagined. There's lots of groups who are very welcoming, looking for players, and then once you're in, um, we'll espouse now, because we are Dungeon Masters, there, there is, there, there are people who do D and D good and bad, but it's not good and bad in like you didn't optimize your character properly or you didn't do a certain thing in the game. It's when you're rude or when you're a bad, you know, uh, you're disrespectful at a table. Yeah, I mean that that's kind of what I was getting at with e- my etiquette. earlier comments. Well, yeah, it's there, very much a, like it's etiquette, etiquette as with any social social interaction it's like with anything you want to be you know nice to be around you want to make sure that like you're having fun the people that you're around are having fun Mm. and sometimes certain behavior um impedes that yeah but specifically speaking to D &D etiquette yeah um there's the etiquette of okay you're a player and you're in a group that you like the thing that's important to everybody is keeping things moving so you don't want the dungeon master or you whoever else to have to stop and look up the rules on how you know does your ranger stuff work or what the wedding spells do so ahead of the session like know what your stuff does you don't need to know what every class does but you're uh, you don't even need to know if you're a ranger what all the ranger subclasses and what they can all do just know what your character is supposed to do so when it's that when it's your turn in combat or when it comes uh, decision time in the game. You know what you have available, and you're able to make those decisions quickly. So beyond just being uh, being respectful, which will always advocate in any situation, um, just like if you're a player, know your stuff. And beyond that, um, don't be that guy where you're just kind of wanting to hog the spotlight. And I think... I think both you and I have seen this with groups of less and more experienced players. Mm-hmm. Going back to of, that bar of the, um, what's it called, the main characteritis? <laughs> uh, either someone who's very outgoing naturally, who may be a theater kid like you, uh, or someone who has been playing D&D and they already know their stuff and they already know what kind of character they want to play versus either less experienced folks or just less outgoing individuals. Um, they, they want to, they, they either, um, sometimes they want to, just, just in their minds, they want to take the spotlight because they like to be in the spotlight and be the center of attention. And other times uh, it's subconscious where they know what their character wants to do, so they take the actions to do it, whereas the other folks may not 
be as confident to take that step. And in those cases, sometimes it's up to the dungeon master, sometimes it's up to the player to see that they're doing it, to sometimes just step back and let the other players kind of take the four. Um, and, you know, maybe turn to the other player who's kind of quieter and be like, what would you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's something that sort of balancing out engagement and um, making sure that everybody is being able to play the game and not just sitting at the table. Mm -hmm. um, that's as much everybody at the table's job as it is the DMs. There are some people who, if you ask them, they think, oh, it's not my fault that my character is doing all of this. And it's mm -hmm. always... it's it's it, those people are always the ones who are like, oh, it's not me, it's my character. It's what my it's character like, would do. It's what my character would do. <clears throat> we'll get into that. Uh, I, I like once we, like the well, next thing I want to get into is now. is you role playing. The next thing I'm, yeah. You can't well, use the it's what my character would do as an excuse for like poor social etiquette that bleeds out of the game and then just starts to make you insufferable in real life. Yeah, um, but what I was, that's essentially what I was going to say, is like, you can't put the onus solely on the DM for you hogging the attention mm -hmm. um, and then feeling like, oh, my storyline is the only one that's progressing. Well, it's because you're the, you're not letting anybody else speak and you're not letting anybody else have a storyline. Mm -hmm. um, that's something where, okay, if you think that, oh, well, the story is just going in the direction of, like, my backstory or whatever, um, talk to your DM to double-check. Make sure that that's what it is. Talk to the other players. If somebody else comes to you and says, hey, you're kind of hogging the spotlight, you're kind mm -hmm. of getting, like, like, you're not letting anybody because else speak at the table. want the spotlight. Right. You're not letting anybody else speak at the table. Be able to take that sort of feedback and critique and not take it personally. It's, mm -hmm. again, it's a game. It's a creative outlet. It's a social activity. So you have to, at a certain point, subscribe to normal social mores and social boundaries. Mm -hmm. I think that sort of dovetails well into the topic of role play specifically because I think we've talked about now um, as far as like being a new player and getting into it like mechanically we can't really get into too much like finding a group at all because there are so many ways that you can find a group you yeah, can we said the two biggest ones right now like roll 20 or just online forums and a gaming store those are that's yeah usually it. or and just pestering you, you your friends else beyond just asking your friends yeah pester your friends for years and years until they finally <laughs> break and they're like fine we're gonna play this stupid <laughs> dice game with you lisa oh <laughs> wait did i okay just um, pester your friends for years and just push them into the deep end of the pool and eventually they'll run a game you know yeah eventually either they'll run a game or they'll find somebody uh <laughs> Because that's what happened for me is uh, <laughs> I, I was pestering my friends, everybody with an ear, and they're like, hey, I don't play D&D, don't play D&D, do you know anybody who's going to play D&D, anybody, uh, 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 until eventually uh, I was introduced to Varun and, and <laughs> now he can't shake me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And my philosophy um, of the, the Nike slogan, just do it. That was my that was my advice as an experienced dungeon master. I'm like, how do you get started? How do you do? Just, just do it. Just play the game. Just, just play just, the game. You just do it. <laughs> how do you play the game alone? I don't know. Write a novel. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, so beyond the barrier of finding a group and then feeling like you need to know all the mechanics and... But you don't. The, the focus and trying to focus on that. There are a lot of people who, um, the other, their biggest, con their other biggest concern in going into the game is, oh, I don't know how to role play. I've never, mm -hmm. and it's like, nobody's asking you to be an improv master. There is definitely a tangent to be had here about 
the effect of Critical Role and other live stream and podcast not uh, D&D games, not but we can't get into that yet, no. <laughs> That's a um, whole episode but by itself. the only thing I will say on that, before we get into the whole episode on it, is just the, um, the idea of comparing yourself, but we'll get into that. As far as role-playing... That's something that when you're starting a game or you're joining a game that's already going on, been going on for a while, you talk to the DM, you talk to the other players, and you find mm-hmm. out what level of roleplay this game even uh, subscribes to, because different groups um, like play the game differently. I think one of mm-hmm. the beauties Definitely. of D&D is just how versatile it is. There are some groups with, that don't roleplay at all. Like many many Adventure League tables just based on how it's structured you don't get a chance to do a lot of uh, roleplaying so it's all really mechanics and combat heavy. Exactly. Whereas so The last session we played uh, in the game that I'm running uh, the, home re- the homebrew game that I'm running uh, it was all roleplay. I don't know, nice. you barely roll dice the entire session. Nice. But, yeah, um, yeah, most, like, if you go into your game store, your local game store, and try to join one of the games there, more than likely this is the kind of game that you're going to encounter, is something that's not super roleplay heavy and mostly battle heavy, and the only thing you really need to worry about is knowing how your character class and uh, subclass works. I think that's really what you need to know if you're going to be gaming with people you know or not, if it's Adventure League or not, just know how your character works, because... Yeah. I don't but think even... I'm talking even about as far as, like, role-playing, though. No, 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 I know, I know. Uh, but from the role-playing perspective, so you have scores in Dungeons & Dragons. You have strength and dex and con, and those are your physical ones. And then you have wisdom, charisma, and intelligence. Those are your, your mental uh, scores. Um, when someone says they're going to lift a heavy rock, they just roll strength or athletics and they lift the rock or not, right? Mm-hmm. But when uh, someone says, They say they're going to seduce hey, the I'm dragon? Gonna seduce the barmaid, the dungeon master usually asks, okay, how do you seduce the barmaid? And you have to act it out, which I don't think is particularly fair because sometimes some people want to play the charismatic character but may not be charismatic in real life or may not know how to do that mm-hmm. um, so that's a decision on the group and the dungeon master on how to how to like judge those sorts of things because that's what the dice are there for to roll to use your skills to, to have to have those things there because it could be a roleplay heavy group but then you know someone new comes in and they're they're shy they're just naturally shy it might be an outlet for them to come out of their shell or they may not and the rest of the group should be like respectful of that now if they come to you and they're like you know they don't feel like they're going anywhere then like okay as the dungeon master then you can say all right these are some of the things that you can do look at all the other players and the stuff that they're kind of like taking control of and they're role playing but it shouldn't it shouldn't be a prerequisite Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's what I'm. That's kind of what I'm trying to get at. It's what I'm basically trying to communicate is you don't need to worry so much about being a good role player or mm-hmm. not. You don't need a being a theater kid isn't a prerequisite <laughs> for playing D and D. It helps. Being good, I yes, mean, it's not a of course it helps. But like, sh- <laughs> we're trying to <laughs> assuage people's fears here. Um, <clears throat> you don't need to be a master of improv or anything. Mm-hmm. Just if you go into it with a character and you don't even know what that character's backstory is or, you know, yeah. uh, motivations are, you can work with your GM. You can ask for input from other people and ask what do they think would be cool? What do you feel would be cool? And mm-hmm. um, don't be... The The beauty of the game is that it, it there are certain things that are limited, but in other things there are no limitations. So... All it is is just an exercise in letting down that sort of um, barrier in your mind that makes mm-hmm. you embarrassed. Yep. yep. And just just don't be embarrassed. Do do the crazy weird thing. Be silly. It's be great silly. to be silly. Don't be afraid. Be silly or be dramatic or you know play that high elf princess. <laughs> like do it. 
do it. Absolutely. Play that high elf princess sorcerer who got kicked out of her family or whatever. Just do it. To like to the T. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I mean, archetypes, pulling, you know, if you're pulling from a video game, if you're literally just, if your character is just reskinned Princess Zelda Mm -hmm. or Link or, you know, any other. I've had that one happen. Or any other video game character or book character. You want to straight up just play Geralt of Rivia? Do it. (laughs) But be prepared that it's going to go on a journey (laughs) and you're going to figure out as part of it, as part of like the things that happen in the story, the other people in your party, you're going to learn more about the character, you're going to more learn about um, the things that you like in the game, um, and you're going to build on it. Just be prepared for it to change and your um and and you know like go go through an arc yeah. of sorts and, and to the inverse of that don't be the guy like it's okay to show up at the table and not have a backstory and motivations that's totally fine but don't be the guy or gal or person that comes with no motivation doesn't grow a motivation through playing the game and then gets upset that your character doesn't get the spotlight or uses that as an excuse to do like crazy destructive things in the game uh, and then just blame it on that's what my character would do or that's my new motivation when it wasn't there at all before because mm-hmm. um, that's that's just a recipe to make everybody else at the table mad at you yeah um, the, the, being, uh, the being shitty part the, the, the part where you may not feel like you have the spotlight that's just like you, you've got to make an effort uh, even if it's the minimal effort, you got to be involved. Mm-hmm. Because like, he's pretty collaborative. We have in one of our games uh, a friend whose character is decidedly... His only motivation seems to be to keep himself and his uh, familiar, his companion, his wolf companion, alive. And that's that's it. He doesn't want for anything. He just wants to protect him and his wolf the reason why that works is because the person who plays that character isn't then turning around and being like, oh, why did I, aren't I getting the spotlight? I don't know. Yeah. And it's like, no, they're vibing. They're it, going with the totally flow. They're totally fine just being on the sidelines. Totally side line, fine. Watching and everything being else supportive and, you know, chiming in with funny remarks when they need it and, mm-hmm. and you know being a part of combat and it doesn't take away from their engagement and so that works but if they were the type of person who you know didn't present any motivations or any backstory or anything uh and then also turned around and was like why ain't i getting any attention mm-hmm. i was like oh you're not Just giving saying. us anything to work with bud yep so uh- if if you're choosing, if you're making, in. if you're making the character choice that your background is a mystery and you have a very simple motivation, which is to stay alive, mm-hmm. like just know that you're not. That's. that's it's not that fine, you're not going to get the. That's a fine A. You need to get to B. That that's also a conversation for another day because I think that's fine because I think like the the rest of the party. Especially in the mm-hmm. in the specific context of this, I think there's so much already going on mm-hmm. with everybody else in that party that they don't no, really no, no, need no. I, I, anything. I'm, not, I, I'm saying in the I'm saying in the no 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 being in the general sense though is, is fine. in the general sense it's good be. to have some idea of who you are. Yeah no no, no. Uh, being a static character like I say is totally fine if that's what you want to be, but if you're gonna be like five ten sessions later oh, you know we haven't done anything you know focusing on me and there's no backstory for the DM to draw to create anything from, then that's, like, on you if you've gotten that far and you haven't given them anything. Yeah, which isn't to say that five or ten sessions and you can't, you know, speak to your DM and and say, hey, I have some ideas. Yeah. That's fine. But turning to your DM and saying, hey, why am I being ignored? That's not, that's not cool. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's not really the way to approach it. Um... If you if you have been uninspired up until that point, that's perfectly fine, and you're just going with the flow and just dealing with the story as it comes along. That's a perfect way of playing the game. Mm-hmm. Like you, 
there's nothing wrong with that. And it works because of D&D's like collaborative sort of structure is... Read my mind. I was, I was, I was about to say Yeah, like, because it's a collaboration. So you don't have to be the center of attention. You don't have to be the one that motivates... You don't have to have some great big dramatic thing in your background that affects everybody because somebody else in the party will have some great big dramatic How background many of them thing. <laughs> the Hobbit, like... Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no. Mary and Pippin were there just because, like, <laughs> they just got ra- wrapped into it, and then their sole, like, goal was to help Frodo. That's a very, very good example, Varun. <laughs> um, and, and, yeah, speaking to, like, moving from, like, the singular backstory to the collaboration thing. Like, Dungeon Dragons isn't an island. Adventure League kind of makes you kind of an island because you can jump from group to group. We're going to talk about your salt about Adventure League on another day. Another another day. Um, But um, in any sort of either homebrew or if you're running a module, any sort of continuing group, um, it's totally okay and even really friggin' awesome to have collaborative, like, stories. Um, This is one thing I... This is, the, this is one thing I want to do with whatever next game I run. Um, have the players have a robust session zero, which we'll talk about more in depth when we talk about Dungeon Master stuff. Um, of, okay, does anybody want like a joined backstory? Do people want to be brothers? Or do people want to be... Uh, uh, um, uh, soldiers who fought together? I was gonna say something stupid. What? I was gonna say reincarnated soulmates. Do you wanna get real tropey? I mean, we'll talk about relationships in D and D maybe on another day because some things have come we'll, up. We'll dig into that, but we can use our, you know, the campaign that we're playing in as the example of. It, maybe it doesn't start at the beginning, but it can evolve through mm-hmm. uh, the game itself, where yeah, but, people's storylines become entwined. Where yeah, but if we're talking about backstories specifically, I think. So my very first, the very first time I like played D and D was not with Varun actually. It was with a group of people from the college I went to. Uh, we had a Halloween party, and there was this one girl who, I'm gonna be honest, not a lot of us super liked her. Like we weren't super well, close we friends with her, story. but she was the only person who was a DM. <laughs> <laughs> and she offered to DM for us because, again, I would not stop talking about D&D. <laughs> and I forced all my friends who had no interest in playing D&D into playing D&D. Mm-hmm. Um, so for Halloween, we uh, were throwing a little get-together. She brought her stuff. She brought the books. Um, in the week leading up to it, she met with each one of us and like asked us to at least like pick... Uh, a race and a class and just like mm-hmm. any sort of vague details and two of the people had separately decided to be dragonborn and then when we got to the party and like as we were setting up the game and sort of introducing our characters those two people turned to each other and went do you want to be brother and sister awesome. and like it's just it, it felt so natural it felt so right it just <laughs> ooh, oh man it was really wholesome it was great and so just like that, people who, like, I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a, a, a consequence of those two people being screenwriters, <laughs> but, um, we have good instincts. I mean, yeah, we all had taken, like, the same screenwriting classes and the same, like, film production classes. So also, yes, hi, hello, I'm a film major, so if I start, uh, I am not. No, but you're a nerd. Oh, so, yeah. I'm a different yeah. type of nerd, though. Yeah, I I have I'm like a nerd with a degree in being a nerd. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, in that game, it just it just came very naturally for like, you know, we were trying to work out like specifics in our backstories, and it was a one shot, so it didn't really matter. But we were working out like specifics in our backstory, and they just turned to each other and were like, "Do you want to be brother and sister? That would be really funny." Um, Sometimes character creation was... is the most fun of those sessions that just kind of get thrown together. Oh, yeah. I mean, I will be completely honest. We played 
exactly nothing of that game uh, <laughs> because we all got entirely too inebriated to <laughs> get past introducing e- ourselves to each other. Um, and I am the most guilty of it. I'm going I, I wasn't to be there honest. for that one, but I was there for one of those. Oh boy! Oh, you were there for a different Halloween, the one that's right. Mm-hmm. But that one was already like after I'd already had like experience with the game and been playing the game for like a year at that point. That, that'll be a that'll be another story episode. Dr- drunken. Oh D- God. D and drunk. Drunken D and D with like ten players. Uh, it must have been at least. At least. <laughs> there were at least ten people at that table. You want you want to talk about chaos? Oh God, it was good. I'm thinking of, like, depending on how things work out with the world, I might have to have a part two to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a sequel. Um, but, yes, um, backstories, building out your backstory. You don't have to, you know, get there to session one already with the whole intricate backstory mm-hmm. written up in, you know, over... You know, four Don't pages and twelve point Espe- font. Don't be me. Depending on who your dungeon master is, you're gonna be yeah. real sad if your character that you spend so much time coming up and, and creating motivations and creating a backstory before it dies in the first session. Yeah, or just that stuff never comes up because your DM is just putting you through a gauntlet of dungeons, and mm-hmm. it's just a dungeon crawl. And just um, ignoring backstory dungeon crawl games are fun and can be a lot of fun but if you i got very lucky that like i didn't really discuss it with varun before um joining his game but i just like gave him several paragraphs about my character (laughs) in the in beautifully edited written prose i weaponized Um, it i and and like I got lucky. The Varun is is very much the kind of DM that uses that. <laughs> Takes I, it. I will, you give me stuff. I will not you, ignore it. Oh god, I, yeah. I no, know. I actually kind of hate your pension. Like I I hate it, but I also love it. Like <laughs> how good you are at taking everything that I've given you and oh, just turning thanks. it against me. It's it's really good. It's really fun. It's what I live for. It's it's what got me into this game. Um, it was. I, I try not to do it just just you. We we've got. Every, uh, just, every other player. Oh, yeah, no. It's just that I've given you a lot to work stuff. with. <laughs> I've given you a lot to work with. <laughs> and it's it's come up. And it oh, yeah. It's hit great. you in the feels. It's great. Which is great. which is my goal. That is, that is my goal as a judgment master. To, to hit you in the feelings so that... Like, You're engaged. That's that's how that happens. You you become engaged. You want mm-hmm. to interact in that world if you feel that there are, like consequences to things that happened to your character slash you in the past I think depending on the DM it, it can be done really well um, mm-hmm. but also I think it can be, on it can that be spontaneous note in the game and uh, that I think what we want to get through to like newer players is don't be afraid of that your yeah. dungeon master will love that yeah if and you want if you want to be brothers with someone else in the uh, campaign I do that because my brother actually plays D&D with me um, uh, or you want to get into a romance with one of the other players and they're receptive, like in-game. Totally. Um, you want to have a family and children that the dungeon master can dangle in front of you, like like so so much uh, uh, damsel Like a carrot in front of a horse. Um, <laughs> but I think, like, the, you know, as we're pulling up on an hour, mm-hmm. uh, 45 minutes here, um... I think basically what we want to get across to new players or people who um, want to get into it or have gotten into it recently but are very hesitant, I think, ultimately, of these things, the mechanics of it, the finding a group, the role-play aspect, what it all comes down to is communicating with whoever is going to be running your game and the other people who are going to participate in your game. And it's going to be something that we're going to... It's a... It's a... We're going to start sounding like a broken record eventually, but really, communication is so key. Mm-hmm. Communication is the bedrock of all of this. Communication helps you it's reach out. It's the bedrock of society. Know, it's you reaching out to your friends <laughs> to play a game or reaching out to a new group online or something to play a game. It's reaching out to the DM to say, like, hey, I want more of a spotlight and give them some stuff. 
or reaching out to another player to say, hey, I'm not comfortable with this thing that you did, or hey, do you want to be in-game married? Yeah. None of that happens unless you, like, are open. Yeah. I mean, like, those are all... It's funny, because, like, those... You know, over time, you're you're gonna get better at that aspect. As with anything, it comes with practice, it comes with time. You're not going to walk into it being a masterful, the perfect table guest. You're not gonna walk mm -hmm. into it being the perfect player. It comes with time, and you just have to show that you are teachable. Um, yeah, I think that's that's really our point for today. I mean, well, players. Yeah, that's that's our that's our advice to players and our like sort of primer on on what this is going to be these yeah. conversations that we're going to be having. Mhm. Mm All right. So I think we'll cut it here, and mm -hmm. the do next we, episode do... will be flip the script 180. We're going to be talking from the perspective of dungeon masters. Uh, yeah. People running a game and all of the back-end mechanical stuff that goes into that, but also the social mores that go into into that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll get into that um, on the next episode. Mm -hmm. uh, until then... But yes, then, if, you've listened the, if you've listened this long to this first episode, we thank love you. you, and we thank you, and we really hope you listen to the next one. Uh... Like, comment, and subscribe. Yes, I don't know. there you go. Like, <laughs> call it out. Like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, tell your we friends. Love you. Uh, I, I, I like you. We'll, we'll, we'll get to know each other. Buy <laughs> <laughs> me dinner first. <laughs> Oops All Dragons is a group effort. Our show is edited by Noel Hernandez. Our theme was composed by Brendan Lyons. And our logo art is by As If On Cue. Links to more of their work and their social media will be in the show notes.